Welcome to Milwaukee MomCast, a podcast dedicated to real stories for real parents. Produced by Milwaukee Mom, we'll tackle a variety of topics in a way we hope will make you laugh, make you think, and remind you that this whole being a parent thing can be a little wild, but at least we're in it together. So reheat your coffee, grab the headphones, and get comfy while we chat all things motherhood with a Midwest twist. Hello, everybody. I am so excited for you to meet today's guest on Milwaukee MomCast. Beth Ridley is going to talk to us about everything from self-publishing a book with her kids to an entrepreneurial mindset to understanding the importance of letting her kids fail and learn how to succeed. She has so much to share with us today. I'm so pumped. So let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Milwaukee MomCast. Sitting across from me today is somebody that I am so thrilled to meet for the first time around the Milwaukee area. You may have already heard of her. We have Beth Ridley in the studio today. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I am thrilled to have you here. I was even just telling you before we started recording that I'm a little nervous to meet you because... <laughs> Which I think is ridiculous. <laughs> no, is, it is not. I'm flattered, but it's so unnecessary. <laughs> no, I'm slightly nervous because I am going to talk a little bit more about how I was introduced to Beth, but um, I have used Beth's book with my kids for several months, and it's fantastic. We're going to talk more about that in a minute, but... Beth has become a highly sought after speaker in the greater Milwaukee area. You have a podcast. You have so many things that just are uber impressive, number one. But like you just have this essence about you that you just are so commanding of a presence when you walk in a space. And I'm just thrilled for people to get to know you. Well, thank you very much. You don't see me on the weekend. So, <laughs> hey, I think all of us like to go into the, the couch pants. That's and exactly right. That's how I rejuvenate. Yeah. To face the world on Monday. Absolutely. Which is, you know, going to be something that we talk about as well. Yeah. So that's a perfect, that's a perfect introduction. So tell us more about you, Beth. Yeah. So I'm Beth. Hi. <laughs> Hi. And um, so I'm originally from Mequon. Okay. And I uh, grew up there all the way through high school. And then um, I left uh, to go to college out east and then um, did a lot of my education out east. And then had the opportunity to live mostly overseas for a lot of different oh, jobs. Really? Yeah, I lived in five different countries. Holy cow. Yeah, for different different jobs. And then my husband and I um, ended up in New York City. So I was there for 10 years. Okay, I'm slightly jealous of that. And then lo and behold, my husband, who's not even from the United States, he got a job at Northwestern Mutual. And this was right around the time, well, this was, it was actually the time that we had our first child. Yeah. So our first child, who's now 16, um, was born at the end of February. We moved here like two days after he was born. Um, so you moved with a two day I know it was, a, I would definitely not recommend oh that, especially gosh. in the winter. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a lot. And yeah, yeah I, I think you can punch your superhero card just with that. <laughs> in I, of I would not recommend, let's just say it just didn't go well. Listen, like we, yeah, we love Wisconsin, start. but February is not where we shine. <laughs> no, it's not really at all. Not. But, but for me, it was coming home. My parents are here. Yeah. Um, we didn't have any family support uh, necessarily in New York. So it all made sense yeah. um, from that standpoint. So I've been back now for 16 years. I know almost literally to the day, cause it's 
it's literally on my son's yeah. birthday. It's easy um, to remember. <laughs> yep, yep, uh, plus two days. Um, and so I settled in here. And so for most of my working career here in Milwaukee, I worked at Northwestern Mitchell. I was there for 12 years and held a lot of different roles. And just recently, very recently, about three and a half months ago, I decided to leave and it was time to go on to something new, a new challenge. And so I started my own business called The Brimful Life. And I am all about career wellness and culture wellness. So I have content. I do speaking. I have my own podcast series really to help people embrace their careers and achieve professional success, but not at the expense of personal well-being. I think a lot of times women in particular, we feel like we have to make a choice, or at least I did through most of my career, advancing my career or investing in my family. And how do I manage and do both? And so I also have a certification in positive psychology, which is really just the science of, of how humans thrive. And so I've always been incorporating in subtle ways those principles and best practices into my own life and then later into my own leadership. And I saw with really good effect yeah. doing small little things, which some of the things that we'll talk about can help lead to a better sense of positivity to weather all the ups and downs, not just in your career, but in your life. Right. So now I try to bring that to more people, more companies, you know, through my business. And that's what I'm really engaged in. But um, and we'll talk about a little bit, but the courage to do that, because for me, it was super duper uber scary leaving something known yeah like a job at northwest mutual jumping into the unknown i have no idea if this is going to work out if it's going to (laughs) be successful i'm just literally winging it day by day Um, but i got a lot of courage from my own children to do that so well that sounds like motherhood in a nutshell where we're like i think so i have no idea what i'm doing i'm winging it day by day i am figuring this out as i go there's no instruction manual help 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 um, so much. there's really a lot of correlation between the exact concepts that you're talking about in the, you know, quote unquote professional sphere versus, you know, in that motherhood space. And you touched on something that I feel like is so acute for so many of us where we're thinking like we have to find this elusive balance between my working life, my career life, but also being an amazing mom and also being an amazing partner, you know, and then doing this and doing that. And this, we're constantly chasing this balance and feeling like somebody keeps moving the line, Yeah, you know, and why can't, why can't we find it? Where is it? Elusive, I think is the absolute correct word. And it's something that shall never be achieved, but it's really, how are you feeling about the journey along the way? And we all actually have a choice. The interesting thing about um, positive psychology is that there is evidence in science that shows that we have um, a lot of control over how we experience the world and how we choose uh, to think or react or respond to situations. It is literally our choice. Our mindset is 100% under our control. Unfortunately, it is something really difficult to control. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so it's almost like if you want toned arms, you gotta regularly go to the gym. Do I really? I know. I I know. It sucks. And the same thing, though. I'd rather like, hang out with my pants. <laughs> if you want to have a more positive mindset, not always to be happy, but to be a little bit more resilient, to find joy and meaning even in the mundane you have to work at it 
a little yeah. bit, right? It's you a have great to practice these, I call them happy habits to overcome. I think we're all wired to just be a little negative. It's called our negativity bias. Hey, any glimpse at a Facebook comment section, <laughs> I think we'll prove that theory real quick. Yeah, totally, totally. So it does it does take effort and it does take work, but I found that investing in those things because I will never achieve complete balance. I will never achieve like everything that I want to in life, but that does not prevent me from feeling feeling fulfilled and that life has meaning and purpose. Oh, I feel, yeah. Like I'm already, I'm going, how are we going to fit this all into one podcast? We're not, we, we just need try. to accept that. Um, so one of the ways that I was introduced to Beth was through these books that you have published called the 365 books. Tell us about these books and how they came to be. All right. So these books, 365 Ways to Ask How Was Your Day, Questions That Don't Suck to Get Kids Talking. It came about because I have three kids. And at the time that we published the book, this was now probably two years ago, They, I had one in high school, middle school, elementary school. So I was covering the bases. And no matter what, when they came home from school and I would ask them, how was your day? I got grunts. I got fine. Oh, my God, it was okay. And I, sometimes I literally got, stop talking to me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so I told them, I was like, you guys are killing me here, right? Yeah. I actually just really, I'm curious about I'm showing your genuine interest and you're giving I me know. nothing. And I was like, I hate your answers. And they're like, well, Mom, we hate your question because it's boring. So if you're going to ask a boring question, you're going to get a boring answer and response. So I said to them, all right, well, what should I ask you? And they each came up with like a really fun question. And I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Let's talk about these because these are actually a lot more fun. And then I said, you know what? I'm sure I'm not the only mother on earth or parent on earth with this challenge. Definitely not. Could you come up with more questions? And so they each wrote about 10 that were really clever and really good. And I said, I think we need more. And then I started paying them. I was going to pay them a quarter, <laughs> a quarter a question, right? That's and brilliant. that motivated them probably up to maybe like about 100 questions. Um, and then but I realized I'm more financially invested in this than I anticipated. <laughs> a little bit. Oops. And then it just came down to you simply won't get your electronics back until the book <laughs> is done. Nice. <laughs> so well that's played, what, mom. Yeah, so that's what we did. And so I thought it had potential. So I, I went ahead. They, they, did, they did all the questions. And then they actually invited their friends over for pizza uh, to go through the questions yeah. and literally cross them out that they were like, well, this is lame. I still wouldn't ask that. Or that's too embarrassing. So I like to say that the questions literally are consumer market tested. Yeah, they've been vetted. They've been vetted and written and approved by kids. And then I got it published. And I told them, actually, I said, if you guys sell it, because I wasn't envisioning me selling it at all. Okay. I really wanted to in inspire a little bit of an entrepreneurial mindset in them. I told them if they sell it, they would keep all the profits. And that's pretty much what they did. That's So fantastic. for the first year, they um, went around to different craft fairs, um, holiday fairs, and they sold the book. And I told them, I was like, use your cuteness while you have it. <laughs> I, I was it. like, nobody wants to buy this book from this old lady. <laughs> I was like, you guys are really cute. And they, they tag teamed. So like at a craft fair, the youngest one would like smile and lure people in. Oh my goodness. And then my oldest son would give them like the legitimate pitch. Yeah. Like what this book is yeah. all about. And then my daughter, my only daughter, would seal the deal. She's with, the closer. Like, yeah. She would say, would you like one or two? <laughs> that is hysterical. So it was a lot of fun to see them work together because normally they don't work together very well at all. So, okay. So you said this was how long ago then? The this, was this, was this was two years ago. two years ago. Okay. And so there are... 
two different versions of this book depending on ages correct? yes uh-huh yep okay. so the um the blue book is for kids that are elementary school age so i would say you know uh, up through fifth grade so that's what age 10 so it's okay. just like simpler questions that relate to their day like did you use crayon today more or marker today that kind of thing okay and then the yellow book is really for teens and tweens starts to get into a little bit more sophisticated thought-provoking questions um really to really uncover because I think at that age you know kids tend to be a little bit more closed with their parents so I really tried to make sure that their questions really helped give me a glimpse into things that are happening in their life things that I should be even concerned about when I hear the answers or um, maybe ask to probe a little bit more to give me a little insight because you get further and further from your kids. You don't know exactly who all their friends are. You don't have the same day-to-day relationship that you might have with the teachers. So for me, it was like really like a way to keep tabs on what is going on in their life that Mm -hmm. I need to know about. Well, and sometimes you can kind of access you know, a feeling or a conflict or something almost by sneaking around the corner and asking about something sort of related, but not directly. Yeah. Um, and we've had this book sitting, I was telling Beth <laughs> on the shelf next to our dining room table now for several months. And it's just there and handy because a lot of times I'll ask that same question. Like you were saying, like, how was school today? And I get good yep. or fine. Yeah. Or Whoa. yeah. <laughs> Like it, we're getting to the point with my 12 year old. Not even a word anymore. Not, just a yeah, grunt. Yeah. It's not even a word. It's just, uh, or meh. And like, it's like combined with like this shrug, like this, just like, bleh. Yeah, I'm like, okay. Yeah, no eye contact. Nothing. Like you get nothing. nothing. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's just like, yeah, guy. So I actually put a couple bookmarks in some of the ones that have been really cool for my kids. And now I have the yellow one. Mm-hmm. So this is the ones for like tweens and teens. Mm-hmm. And just for a few examples of the ones that my kids have really liked. Uh, describe an epic fail you experienced or witnessed recently. That one, they can always come up with something. <laughs> always. Like whether or not it's like a real one or right. something that they saw in a meme on their friend's right. phone because God only knows there's so many of those for them lately. True. Um, but that one always seems to get them laughing mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. of the time. And then there's there's been I think maybe one or two times where it's actually opened up a conversation about – well, wait, should we maybe be laughing at that like we are? Because there was one time, I'm going to totally throw one of my kids under the bus, but I'm not going to say who it was, so hopefully I won't get in trouble. <laughs> they were talking about um, this epic fail that, like, a, a kid in the lunchroom had, like, tripped and, like, their milk had gone everywhere. Like, they had spilled and then, like, this kid got laughed at. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, let's actually, can we just pause for a second? Like, yes, I guess in terms of the definition, it could be an epic fail, but... Mm. How do you, how did you respond? Mm-hmm. You know, and then we actually got to have a conversation. Oh, about what a beautiful that. teachable moment! Yeah. That a lot of times we right. just, um, we don't always uncover those opportunities. Right, because if I just said how was school today, then there's no way it was gonna be like, oh, well, so and so spilled their lunch tray at lunch, yeah. and everybody was laughing at them, and it made me feel bad for them. And yeah. of course, they weren't gonna say that. They were gonna say good. Yep, yep. Um, we have some uh, Harry Potter dorks in my family, mm-hmm. as in all of us. So they love this one. If you had magic powers, who would you put a spell on and what kind of spell would it be? <laughs> um, most of the time it's, I would put a spell on my brother and make him smell, like stuff like that. Um, you may not even need a spell for that, right? Oh, goodness. <laughs> that no. may be his inherent superpower. At least I know with my boys, that is their specialty. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like nobody warned me 
before like I be, I'm a mom of three boys but like everybody's like oh boys just love their mothers you're gonna they're just gonna be so dear and lovely and I'm like okay great mm-hmm. and then but nobody told me about the extent to which the the foul stench was going to become an issue yeah earlier than I expected like I I expected smell you know when they're 15 16 mm-hmm. I expected mm-hmm. that yeah. but my oldest is 12 and the and, and then even the um my my younger two share room my 10 year old and my eight year old you walk in there and it smells it's it smells like like i don't know bigfoot's armpit or something or a locker room i agree with you my two boys share a room i swear to god one time i thought i walked in the room i saw steam like oh my off, off of their bed oh because yeah. it smelled that bad but i'm like y'all are 10 and 8 yeah how is this happening you are not you're not even in the tween zone yet, and you stink so bad. And okay, sorry. Side note: Blue Rabbit Trail. We'll come back. I promise. Have you seen the Amazon product review post of the box of Kleenex? No. Oh my goodness! Prepare to cry. Cry. You're laughing so hard. Somebody. You know how there's always these like reviews on every single Amazon product, and sometimes they're absolutely hilarious. Yeah. This woman wrote a review on a box of Kleenex about how about her son yeah. using it. Yeah. And it is quite literally one of the funniest things I've ever read in my life. I think I can kind of imagine yes. where it might be going. I think you're picking up what I'm laying down. Just literally Google. Um, I'm going to do that. Mom writes Amazon review for box of Kleenex. You'll Hilarious. find it. And it is I think I was reading it in a really bad scenario once where I was like in a library or somewhere. It had to be quiet. <laughs> and you busted and, out. Yeah. Like I, I actually almost peed my pants because I had to stifle the laughter. So All right. Hard. I got it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I got to look that if up. If you've never. Yeah. If you've never That sounds it, like it'll make my day. It's hysterical. <laughs> it's absolutely. I'm so sorry. That was a rabbit trail worth going on. Yeah. No. I worth, promise. No, that was worthwhile. I promise you. Uh, last one. Even though I've got like five bookmarked here. This is the last one I'll read. So this is another one they love. What is one thing you wish your parents or teachers would stop saying? Mm. And Mm -hmm. this one has been really great because sometimes it's very light and funny. Like one time my oldest was said to me, mom, do you have any idea how often you go? Really? And it was, I said, what are you talking about? (laughs) And and he's like, um, really? (laughs) I'm like, dang it. Um, so they can kind of hold up a mirror to you in a funny way. Yeah. But then they can also say, you know, something that might actually hurt you a little bit to hear it. Like that you're not really fully understanding. Oh, I'm saying that a lot and it's mm. not being as received like I, th- I meant mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And then you can, you know, make that adjustment. And yeah. I mean, there is so much going on in their little minds that yeah. they don't communicate. So I think just the more that we can sort of chip away at that a little bit and get a broader perspective and broader yeah. uh, understanding of who our kids really are, because I think they only display a limited slide of themselves. Totally. I think there's so much more underneath. And that's only, what did I read? Three? Four? Yeah, like but three or four. But there's literally 365 of these in just this one book and then another and then 365. Another, yep, with very little overlap. In the yep. book for younger kiddos. So, um, I love the subtitle of this, Questions That Don't Suck to Get Your Kids Talking, because it's really quite accurate yeah I mean yeah didn't beat around the bush that's that's pretty much they were like mom your question sucks how was your day so these questions don't (laughs) suck (laughs) and um you know you had even talked about the the birth of these books and how your kids not only came up with the questions but you really got them involved 
in every aspect of creating the books down to even the marketing and the selling and and all of it. And, you know, you mentioned creating this entrepreneurial mindset in them as it relates to the books. So would it be fair to say, do you think that these books have kind of been the springboard, not only for you to transition into like a whole new career path, but also to kind of you know get into this entrepreneurial mindset with your kids yeah totally and it's funny because like two years ago when the book came about I was really starting to just think about maybe leaving corporate after 25 years I don't know I just wasn't I I wasn't super excited by it anymore I was just starting to feel a little worn down Mm -hmm. Um, but I honestly I just didn't have the courage right I just didn't have the courage to leave what was known and what I'd been doing all my working career Um, so the project for the kid with the with the book I mean it was almost a way for me to gain a little bit of courage of doing something that I've never done before. I've never published a book. I had absolutely no idea how to do it through a lot of like reading stuff on the internet and watching YouTube videos. You know, I was able to piece it together. And so to see the book actually published in our hands and people actually buying it, I think gave me courage that maybe if I gave it a try, I could. I Did you could, end up self-publishing? Yeah, we ended up self-publishing it. Yep, totally. Wow. And then the other um, motive for the book was, you know, again, like I said, I was just getting sort of worn down being in corporate. And I definitely wanted my kids to see that there are multiple ways to earn a living. And working for a company is only one, a fine choice. But I really wanted them to feel that entrepreneurship was a legitimate path for them should they so choose plus I would say sort of like a nimble change agile resilient mindset like an entrepreneurial mindset is really important at work as well even if you're like working in a traditional corporation so I really wanted them to experience that um, through the selling of the book and being really engaged and again like taking a concept an idea you know a bunch of questions that they're typing into a computer into something that you know is now on bookshelves you actually defined you know this entrepreneurial mindset in a way that I feel like is so great you, you um, on your website you said companies today expect employees to have an entrepreneurial mindset at work so yeah. whether or not you're you know running your own thing or not that you're, if you're working for somebody else they're looking for these kind of qualities yeah. in people the change agility resiliency being innovative you say I'm committed to teach my kids entrepreneurial skills at home by encouraging them to try new things have the confidence to sell get and create jobs it's it's um just sort of having confidence like the first craft fair that we went to and selling the books like they were like you do it mom like they didn't want to talk to anybody Uh and then I wouldn't do it I wouldn't do it I was like well then we'll simply sit here and we won't sell anything and then little by little you know, one person came around and they would at least smile. And then the second person came and they started talking about the book. And by the end of just even that first day, I saw them looking adults in the eye and actually Ah. being able to have a conversation and just carrying themselves with a little bit of um, confidence and Mm -hmm. pride. And so I do think those experiences build upon themselves and this is just a small tiny little experience but who knows you know when they're in their adult life this this the selling of the book may be one thing they look back on and say well I could do you know I did it then I could do this again when they're faced with another challenge so I think you know courage really comes from just having an experience of tiny little small wins throughout your life that you can look back on and add up uh, and so I'm hoping that this just was, you know, one of those tiny experiences of gaining courage and confidence. 
to bounce off of that, then how does that particular mindset and the way that you built them up in that, how does that help them deal with failure? Yeah. So I think dealing with failure is probably one of the best qualities that you can have uh, in life and certainly in the workforce. And I think being resilient and almost looking at failure is not, um, you, you know, not a failure, but like maybe the outcome was different than you expected. Mm. Well, that's interesting. Why? And what have we learned from it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think even just a little bit, not everyone who comes to the booth buys a book. You know what yeah. I mean? And so those are tiny little micro failures. And I think just like having tiny little wins adds up to having a sense of self-confidence. The same thing with tiny little failures or big failures adds up to a sense of life goes on. I can dust myself off. I survived that. I can probably survive more in my life. And just building up sort of that resiliency that I think we all need because I don't know about you, but nothing usually goes exactly the way that I hope or expect it to. Ain't that the truth? (laughs) Especially in motherhood. Especially in motherhood and entrepreneurship. I mean, even in my corporate career. I mean, oh yeah. You know, there's so many curveballs and you know things that just don't quite shape out the way that you had hoped. So totally. So what advice would you give to parents who perhaps have younger children at this particular point in their parenting journey that they're not in that tween teen zone yet, but they're, they're, you know, interested in creating these little wins of self-reliance and of resiliency and of, you know, courage and things. I I think actually the younger, the easier it is because whatever they fail at, there's very little lasting consequence to it. (laughs) You know what I mean? So as hard as it is like back off and don't help with the art project or the the book report or whatever, even tiny little Fixing things. Fixing the math homework. Yeah, yeah, because they really, really, really do need to develop confidence in themselves that they can do it or learning from when they didn't measure up to maybe the expectation of the assignment. Even small things, like even when the kids were younger, you know, um, like if we were in Starbucks and they said, oh, I'd like some water, I said, then you have to go and ask for it. Like, I wasn't going to ask for them. Yeah. And, you know, all my kids are shy. And so their first reaction would be like, oh, never mind. And I would say, then, or mom, you do it. I was like, clearly you're not that thirsty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as as much as we want to swoop in and do for kids, because we love them and we want them to we want things to be easier for them. I think we make it harder for them long term. So these, you know, every day is filled with tiny little things of let them do it, let them fail or figure it out. Um, I think it becomes a little bit, you know, harder to make those calls when they are in high school because sometimes the consequences could have more lasting impact and I'm dealing with that now with my oldest son and you know he has to get his act together going to college he's definitely not organized or motivated the way that I would want him to be Mm -hmm. and my natural instinct is to swoop him in and hold him by the hand and say we're gonna walk through this together let me show you how to do this right yes and I'm actually holding back on that and I said you know what he'll figure it out or he won't (laughs) and then he'll figure it out you know what I mean but there has to be his own confidence, his own self-motivation or learning from his making his own life lessons. You know, we generally learn more from our mistakes than we do from our successes. So it's hard. It's hard. But, you know, I guess that's my advice is to hold back and to find those little tiny moments in every day when they can do it uh, by themselves. I remember going to college and feeling like 
you know, I, I don't really know what I'm doing, but at least I know how to do my own laundry. Yeah. <laughs> I know how to make easy Mac in the microwave. Yeah. And right now that's all I really need. But like there's, you're touching on something that I feel like is so important because if we do continue to swoop in and fix it, yeah. do it for them at the lower levels when they're younger. And then we just build on that as they get older we're kind of cutting their legs out from under them when it comes to them. We are what they're doing. Yeah. And again, I don't want to, like you said, generalize or stereotype the younger generation, but one of the jobs I had when I was at Northwestern Mitchell was to lead the internship program. So it was a chance to like interact with like youth. (laughs) And um, interestingly enough, sometimes I was like, I'm sorry, are we hiring the intern or are we hiring the parents? Because the parents were so involved. Are you serious? Yeah. The parents were like really weirdly involved. And so like there was one intern, it just wasn't going well with like him and the manager and so the parent actually reached out to the manager they did not on behalf of the student how old is the student yeah so these are these would be like um juniors in college in college yeah yeah when you said juniors I thought you were gonna say in high school no no and so I would say it's it that was not like off the charts strange the parents to me were surprisingly involved in their children's lives up into that age. And I started to see it in the workforce where it's like, how much do I need to engage the parent? Because I'm not hiring the parent. I'm hiring an adult, you know, a young adult given. But I do think that there is something there in the sense that um, they're either used to somebody swooping in to save them or they just didn't have the experience and built up that confidence by Mm. having to do it on their own generalization for sure oh yeah for sure but probably enough examples to be like huh coming all the way back to this entrepreneurial uh, wow that's a hard word to say (laughs) entrepreneurial mindset that you're instilling in your kids from that young age they're having these small like you called the micro failures that add up to resiliency but if those aren't there yeah um there's never this sense of risk taking in right. a safe way you know yeah it's, yeah yeah it's just kind of all adds up and you know the funny thing is kids are great at failure so like you know adults we have somehow become oh, like yeah, it was overly... one of the questions in the book yeah, yeah. Epic fail, remember? right yeah 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 <laughs> but i mean adult and 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 they laugh at it uh-huh. right um whether it's their own some you know somebody tripped laughing is not nice but even if they they trip they may be laughing as well but as adults we become overly self-conscious mm, um, yes. of what other people think and that can really paralyze us from trying to things for risk of embarrassing ourselves or risk in failing in front of others but kids like have you ever just like watched your own kids like my youngest son is really into gymnastics and for all of last year he was trying to to figure out how to do a a Mm backflip and he'd be on the, the the trampoline and he would twist and flip and it wouldn't work out but he would laugh and he would get back up and try try it's almost like failure was play he didn't care what yeah. anybody was watching he was right. oblivious to and he finally finally got it but it was over after a series of failed attempts yeah but for him it was um playful and and um he didn't have any sense of self-consciousness around it so the time to fail is when you are a kid because they don't care. They only care if we care. <laughs> no, that's a really right? good point. But then once you become an adult, it just everything gets much harder because we feel like there's so much more at stake. And like we said, we care what people think at that age. Mm. Right. That's so true. That's mm-hmm. so true. And, you know, we want to give them all these opportunities to try this new thing and, you know, explore there, small failure here, success here, all these things. But it can kind of also lead to us falling into this trap of wanting to do all oh, the yeah. things, right? Oh, yeah. And we're seeing kids that are overscheduled yes. because they're in 
you know, that play, this club, that sport. And adults that are overscheduled because their kids are overscheduled. Right. <laughs> we're living out of our vans and yeah. our cars. We're, we're, you know, our Google calendars look like somebody's trying to plan the next rocket launch. You know, it's, it's crazy, but like this has become our normal. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but for me, at least my, uh, it feels like the correct answer when someone says, Hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. is busy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like that's the right answer yeah I can't tell them the the true answer which is I am so overstressed and right. tired and I don't know what to do about it because I can't say that because then that's not good cocktail right. conversation right yeah but instead it's oh busy because mm-hmm. then that gives a positive response mm-hmm. from whoever you've said it to yep. you've got so much going on and you're handling it yes. all and you're productive right and, like oh my mm-hmm. gosh go you boss babe right, yeah. <laughs> and I don't like that yeah very much because even though I'm creating the busyness myself, admittedly, and I know I need to get better at that, like it almost feels like though that I'm getting this affirmation back yeah. from the busyness. It's like it's being glorified. Yeah. So yeah. you I watched this talk that you did where your thesis on it was that doing nothing is the new kale. Mm-hmm. You want to make doing nothing the new mm-hmm. kale. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that meant and what what you have to say about this glorification of busy. Yeah. So again, back to positive psychology, there are really like sort of like five um, fundamental principles. Like if we were to do more of these and incorporate them as habit, we will be more positive overall. And so the five are being more present and just being more mindful, not stressing over the future or stewing over the past. Um, the second is practicing gratitude. Mm-hmm. So reflecting on what you're thankful for and showing appreciation to others. Uh, the third is investing in relationships because we derive more happiness from, um, well, sorry, relationships makes us yeah, feel connected to other people. Yeah. The fourth is investing in experiences because we derive more happiness from experiences than material things. Than stuff. Yep. And the fifth is relying on our strengths, right? So I okay. think a lot of times we're always worrying about what we're not good at, what we still yeah. have to develop. And if we go, could go through life appreciating and leveraging our strengths more, we'll generally be happier. Um, so it's really that first one that I personally struggle with, just being more mindful. Yes, um, I'm definitely a fretter and a worrier. So Same. my mind is always in the past. And it, I go to worst case scenario present. so fast. It's like a Ferrari <laughs> yeah. took off from the starting line. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, same, same. Or a lot of times I'm stewing and fixating on something. And so I knew that it was uh, a problem for me. This is going back many years ago. My daughter was playing soccer, and I'm sitting out there watching the soccer game, and all of a sudden, everybody started cheering. They're like, oh, congratulations, Lola made a goal. I'm watching the soccer game. I did not see her make the goal because <laughs> I'm standing there, but my mind is definitely elsewhere, yeah. right? I was fretting over something about work. Yeah. So that's one that I personally really have to invest in. And so I thought, well, maybe if I started like a small little mini movement, I could get like support around <laughs> me because <laughs> I don't really have any good answers how to be more mindful, how to be more present how to do less just so that we have that time to reflect to um just to kind of like recharge yeah so I thought yeah if I could like be on a campaign to make being busy the new smoking and make doing nothing the new kale maybe I could get other people <laughs> around me uh with some good ideas or at least ca- I'm with sorry some but kale support. is nasty <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't care. I don't care how many DMs I get. Kale is nasty. Okay, so maybe the new blueberries? But like, I don't know. I'm listen, trying to think of a superfood. No, here's what yeah, here's what I mean by that though. Like it's nasty. It tastes terrible and nobody will convince me otherwise. Yeah. But I can't argue that it is really good for you. <laughs> but like it is. and so I can totally see what you're saying because like, you know, you you have this this feeling about doing nothing. It it makes you feel you know, like it has this kind of yucky connotation yeah. to it. Like yeah. that must mean that I'm lazy or yeah. that I'm not motivated. And it ha- so it has this kind of reception like I am with kale where I'm like, that's nasty. I don't want it. That's yeah. gross. Get it away from me. Yeah. But then when you actually look at the benefits that it brings to you yeah. and your body and your wellness, you it's like, still don't want to do it. I still don't want to eat it. But, but it's that to me, that is the, the, the funniest thing about it. And like I said, our mental mindset is hundred percent under our control, but it's the hardest thing to control. <laughs> Yeah, These are totally. simple things. Do a little nothing. It could not be easier. Right. Yet we don't <laughs> do it. And I think there's a lot of reasons. I think there's societal pressure, you know, and this might be a uniquely American thing, you know, to always be in motion, always mm, looking forward. Yeah. It's a sign of being competitive and productive, although it can be very anti-productive. Um, but I also think like a lot of people don't like to be alone in their own thoughts. Oh, for yeah. Whatever it's reason. dangerous. Yeah. It can super, be scary. Yeah. So, d- totally. And so yeah. we'd rather be busy than do that. And we're so um, easily distracted. Like, uh, like, you know, you think about how many times you are waiting for something, whether it's yeah. in the line, in a waiting room, whatever. When's the last time that we just like literally waited? Yeah. And I didn't grab my phone. Right. Or like or you, spend all my time waiting, being mad that I'm waiting. Totally. <laughs> like, I mean, I feel like sometimes I found it where if there's dead space where I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, like you said, doing nothing or whatever, yeah. I, I can actually feel this like physical pull yeah. toward my phone. Like, yeah, totally. Why is that? Yeah. And you have to actually make that conscious decision yeah. to be like, nope, I'm just going to. So I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out, because I'm also very attached to my phone. And I thought, well, maybe instead of like fighting it, how could we use the power of our phone maybe for good? Ooh, and so I'm trying intriguing. to come up with ways, like I said, those five like happy habits, if we could make them more routine in our daily lives, we'll all be more positive. And so I'm trying to think like, okay, every time I have this urge to reach my, my phone, I have to either schedule five minutes on my calendar to not do anything or send myself a message, an email that I'll get in the morning of something I'm grateful for. So I'm trying to think, oh, like, I love how that. do I use my – since I have it in my hand anyway, can I at least use it to support one of these happy habits I in some that. way? It's almost like the – It's like making little the deposits price, for yes, your future Yes, exactly. Wellness. The price oh. of being able to use my phone, I now have to use it for good in some regard. I but love that. But back to the doing nothing. So here's what's yeah. interesting. I Let's interviewed talk about this. Doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. I interviewed this um, guy for my podcast who's a very successful entrepreneur. He actually became an entrepreneur because he spent some time in prison and he couldn't get a job. Mm-hmm. So it all worked out from him from a career standpoint. But I I, um, I don't know how we got on the topic, but I was very surprised. His answer, I had asked him something about like, you know, lessons learned from prison. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he said one thing that he really misses about prison, not that he would want to go back. Fair enough. But the opportunity to just be able to think and be mm, quiet and to be yeah. alone. He was like, I actually don't have that. And now that I've experienced it, it's something that I really feel like I miss. I never would have thought in a bazillion years anybody yeah. would have <laughs> yeah, you had would anything good that. to say about being in prison. But that just really raised for me how um, important some of this, um, you know, being mindful, doing nothing, um, you know, being still and quiet really is. And it took, you know, someone who that that structure was in place for mm-hmm. him to experience it and to realize when he didn't have it how he felt that he was at a disadvantage. Oh, and with kids, there's that value in experiencing boredom. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if we flip the script and apply it to our kids, yeah. not even so much to ours, uh, to us. I, I mean, every single summer, I, I think we get to like what hour six yeah. of summer vacation, yeah, and they're like, <laughs> I'm so bored, and right. I have to be like, listen, man. My job description includes many, many things, <laughs> but your 24-hour entertainment captain is yeah. not one of them. Yeah. So um, go figure it out. Yeah. And, and they do get they, though? They, yes. So, well, sometimes. Yeah. Most of the time, they just lay there and languish. Yeah. Oh, but you know what? Maybe they have it right. Maybe they're recharging. Yeah. Right? And it's us that's telling them, get up. Go do something. Go find something to do. Yes. Yeah. Now, you don't want them sloughing all day. Like in teenagers, (laughs) that's their specialty. But I think it is a a balance. I think sometimes boredom does spark creativity. Mm, And they might surprise you with the stuff that they do. You know, they've got a lot going on in their lives. Maybe it is their time to recharge. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's so much... To learn from you, Beth. Um, I'm I'm just thrilled by it. And then again, there's so much more that we could talk about, but man, podcasts can only be so long. So yeah. we're going to talk in, real briefly about, um, later on about uh, where people can get to know you more. But for now, what else do we need to know about the Brimful Life in particular? Yes. So the Brimful Life, like I said, it is all about professional wellness, uh, for working with individuals and working with leaders of companies on organizational health and how as leaders you can create an inclusive and an inspiring uh, culture where everybody can thrive. So definitely check out my website at thebrimfullife.com, and there you can get access to my blogs, my podcast series, um, available for speaking uh, at conferences and workshops or at companies. I also facilitate a lot of workshops. And off my website, you can get my books as well. And I'm actually starting to do other products also. So I brought here one of my newest products that just arrived two weeks ago. Oh, it's fun. Called, it's yep. like even wrapped in cellophane. Yes, it's, it's even, even wrapped in cellophane. This is my gift to you. Um, oh, but it's, it's called Try One New Thing a Week. So one of the talks that I give, this is the one I, I did at the Tempo Emergent Women's Leaders. Okay. It was about like how I... Um, had to embrace a new mindset to be successful as a leader, a, a team leader as mm-hmm. opposed to a team player. It was like a little bit of a different mind shift um, in terms of building my own confidence and resiliency. And I did that by challenging myself for one full year to do one new thing a week that had nothing to do with work. So that I could like... For a like, full year? For a full year, oh yeah. So I could have fun facing fears and just learn and grow from new experiences. Um, and because I made investing in experiences, a habit, I really did grow from it. And I became a lot more resilient, um, just a lot more confidence in my uh, own That's abilities. so cool. And so somebody said, well, if you want to make it easy for us, one new thing a week for a year is 52 things. Why don't you have a card a deck? A deck of cards, and yeah. I was like, well, I do now. So that's also on the website as well as the, so cool. the books. Awesome. Today's My Milwaukee Mom Moment is a bit of a doozy. So for those of you with, um, you know, sensitive dispositions, just be warned. (laughs) And um, I'm going to just go ahead and admit that this one is one of mine. So this is my personal story. You can, I'll, I'll accept your thoughts and prayers later. All right. When my middle son was about 11 months old, his big brother woke up one morning with a bloody nose, a bad one. Like this was the kind that it was all over the pillowcase. It was on his face, his hands, like it was everywhere. And he woke up terrified, like, what is happening to me? I'm bleeding to death. So he came out screaming and covered in blood. And I'm tending to that situation. But I heard the sounds of content chattering and cooing coming from his baby brother's crib. So I'm like, okay, baby's cool. We'll leave him alone. 
so I could focus on the, you know, bloody carnage at, at hand here. After I had the bloody toddler cleaned up and calmed down, I lingered outside the baby's door for a moment or two, just kind of listening and enjoying his cute little sounds because he was just happily chattering to himself and being all cool. And I, so then I was like, all right, I'll go in and get him. He's been in there a while. So with a smile on my face, I pushed open the door. And then that's when I was struck with why he had been so contently playing. He had somehow managed to access his diaper and was using the contents as a plaything. There was poop everywhere. It was on his hands. It was all over his face. He had smeared it along the rails of his crib. It was on the walls. It was mashed through his hair. I mean, we're talking even in between his toes, in his ears. It was on every single surface you could see. And this all happened before 8 a.m. I literally want to go wash my hands I'm now. so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just hearing that, I want to wash my own hands. I know. <laughs> it was, that was a rough day. And I la- I can laugh at it now. But like I was, I was even telling you that my husband came home from work that day and found me literally sitting on the floor next to the washing machine as the laundry from this awful day was running in the washing machine he comes around the corner and he's like hi honey how was your day what <laughs> as he sees me sitting there oh my apple watch was just like what's going on um i'm sitting there crying and he's just like what is happening and um so it was i called that my day of blood poop and tears and this was uh, so all before 8 a.m all before 8 a.m mm, yeah that's when you just like literally want to go back yep. to bed done try Restart. it all over again yep yeah i'm done mm-hmm. i'm done i think if i remember correctly once everything was like sort of cleaned up it was like and we're watching movies all day <laughs> i'm staying in my jams we're gonna that's all there I is to it. I don't even know how you look at that crib the same way again, or even that room, right? No. So even though everything's been cleaned, it's still the memory of it. I know. <laughs> and then you gotta wonder, like, should I have disclosed that to the sellers, to the buyers ah, of my oh, house? Did you? Yeah. You did. Well, I didn't. Well, we sold the house, that but I didn't hilarious. tell them. Why would it come up? I don't think it does. <laughs> oh, okay. You're saying you did or you didn't? But like, tell I'm wor- I'm worried. Like, was I supposed to? Was I no. supposed to say, like, listen, there was a poop, apoc- <laughs> poop apocalypse. In this room no. three years ago. No. Is that- Could you imagine if everybody disclosed what goes on in the house? Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Because then, then, then that's a slippery slope. Because then you're going to be like. It's very slippery because in the spectrum of things uh-huh, that go on. Uh-huh. I will, actually, I'll take the puka pop apocalypse right yeah because can you imagine like walking into like this kitchen with like this you know let's say there's like a beautiful island with granite countertops and you're like running your hand along the 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 kitchen counter like oh my gosh i love these i love these countertops at which point the realtor goes yes according to the documents the current owners had sex on that counter 45 times and this is why as you're running your hand along but this is why i'm very suspicious of carpet right oh yes yeah because who knows what's mm-hmm. happened down there poop or otherwise well i feel right? like yeah if you buy a house you, ju- you just gotta rip this you gotta stuff rip out it out over yeah to be able exactly. to know it's kind of like changing the locks mm-hmm. you just want to change the carpet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well on that disgusting note today, that is uh that's today's my milwaukee mom moment <laughs> all right beth as we wrap things up Tell me an unpopular opinion that you hold. Oh, I, you know what? So I think we covered it. It's really about letting your kids do these things on their own. So a mm. big one is um, don't help them sell their own Girl Scout cookies. 
or you know which by the way they'll sell themselves they sort of all sell you gotta them. do again, is dress up in your cute little outfit and, and like, that's cookies. what I'm saying these kids let them use their cuteness while they have it but stop <laughs> selling it for them at work right oh so yeah if they don't sell the Girl Scout cookies either you know they actually don't care that much or you know they have to work harder themselves to do it but again these are little micro um, confidence building moments that we should just step back totally on. so probably an unpopular view because so many of us do it but that would be a great example of something that you could pull back on and maybe use that time to meditate instead of selling your kids Girl Scout cookies yes there you go all right, tell me your My Milwaukee pick. Now, this could be a place, a, a brand, an experience, anything in the greater Milwaukee area that you love that you would just, you want to help people to know about. Like, I would say, like, important go-to places um, with my kids as I was, I've been raising them is the Urban Ecology Center. There's always something going on there. Um, so much of their equipment, whether it's kayaks or sleds or snowshoes, you can rent for free as a member. That's so cool. Yeah, and again, sort of like having them embrace the environment and the outdoors um so i've you know gotten many 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 years of use out of the urban ecology center and the last one i have down there is school of rock so all of my kids have participated in school of rock which is a nonprofit program that introduces kids to music and um, instruments, but they play as a band. And every quarter, they introduce a new um, genre of music that they play together, and they actually put on a concert, like in a real concert venue. Oh, that's venue. cool. Yeah, so their tagline is helping kids rock on stage and in life. And all three of my kids are just wired to be very um, shy, more introverts. And I've definitely seen them grow. And they all, I all wanted them to play an instrument, but they didn't like the traditional lessons. You know, mm -hmm, it's kind of boring, mm -hmm. the traditional lesson and recital. And so I put them in School of Rock, and they have a lot more fun because it's more social. They get introduced to all sorts of music like Led Zeppelin and, you know, stuff that's oh, yeah. like totally not the era that they should have some history to. Uh, some appreciation of and I've seen them grow in confidence and so I have to laugh because um there was one time I think this would have been maybe already not quite a year ago but my my then seven-year-old like what was getting ready for bed and he just walked back into the living room and out of clear blue sky he goes Alexa play sunshine <laughs> of your love by cream oh Oh, my. Yeah. And my husband and I went. Why? How? Well, Where? hello, sir. I'm impressed. Yeah. You know, like. Where did that come from? <laughs> so my husband has this, uh, has a playlist that he has, like, on uh, the device that they share that if they want to listen to music, he gives yeah. them that, that particular playlist. And that's on there, oh. along with a whole bunch of other, like, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young, I'm a young Gen Xer. Yeah. Technically, I guess I'm a Zennial, where I'm, yeah. like, in between Gen X and the Millennials. But I was brought up on Led Zeppelin, Cream, The Beatles, uh, and, um, you know, all and all these other like, classic yeah. rock bands, and so was my husband. So he's got all that on there. And so but it was just so funny how he just wanders out, and you're just a little seven-year-old, play Sunshine That's of really Your Love cute. by Cream. Yeah. <laughs> now I think it's important because sometimes, like, a song will come on the radio, I'm like, oh, do you kids know about this? Like, do you know who Queen is? I'm like, no, what's that? And it's like, you oh. know, how could you actually participate in society? So it's they have to learn somehow. Right. So I guess either – School of Rock or Alexa. <laughs> yeah. What is in your cart, Beth? This could be something that uh, either has been hanging out in your shopping cart for a while that you yeah. haven't pulled the trigger on yeah. or something that you've purchased recently that you just really, really like. Definitely hanging out in my cart is magnetic 
eyelashes. Okay, I'm super curious about this. <laughs> Do you know about magnetic okay, eyelashes? Listen, I've heard about them. Yeah. But I mean, I haven't ever tried them because all I've seen are like the fail videos of trying to put them on. Yeah. But like the glue on ones are so hard. Yeah. No, I've never, I won't attempt the glue on ones. So, you know, when I was gainfully employed, one of the ways that I pampered myself is I would have um eyelashes added like oh, whatever extensions you, uh, extensions <gasps> they're amazing yeah they're I, I amazing got them just the once and then it ruins you for life yeah well that's that's it but you have mm-hmm. to keep going back like every three weeks and yeah and then right? you go back to your regular lashes and you're like look at my sad you, eyeballs that's exactly right mm-hmm. and so I thought all right I'm self-employed now this is a luxury that I don't want to spend my money on anymore and so I've been experimenting with magnetic lashes. I'm not even going to mess with the stuff that you have to put glue in. I can imagine so they, that that's being like a hot work? mess. Um, so I've tried two brands. Okay. And one of them called Moxie Lash absolutely works. Ooh, it okay. could not be easier. It's actually Moxie Lash. Moxie Lash. It's actually a magnetic gel that you put on and then the lashes stick to the gel okay so it's like an eyeliner like an eyeliner yeah that's it it's just like an eyeliner but you only get like x number of wears out of them like you know it says 30 but i probably got like five are you serious before either the magnetic just isn't as sticky and like one night i had them on and i felt something odd happening and i went to the bathroom and like literally no (laughs) one of the eyelashes was like flapping in in the the breeze that's exactly right so i have another pair in my cart but i'm pausing like do i really want to keep doing this because apparently you only get five wears out of them so i don't do i want to go down that path or just screw the whole thing so Mm. it's still sitting there they did work out pretty well, but then, like, again, you get, like, accustomed to these, you know, gorgeous yes. lashes, then you yes. got to do them every day. This is, like, the first world problems that, like, I know, but, but isn't it? Yeah, it's like, man, I just want nice do lashes. Do I want to invest in my lashes? Oh, the decision is killing me. So <laughs> there they sit. There they sit in my cart and just sort of sitting on it. I'll probably pull the trigger, like, closer to the holidays, <laughs> right? If it makes you feel better, I have one of those jade face rollers sitting in my cart. Which I don't is, know what that is. Well, it's 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 even more ridiculous than than being <laughs> well, good Well, do tell. Apparently, it's like this little like roller thing made of jade that if you roll it over your face, it reduces puffiness or something. <laughs> I'm probably gonna get so many messages. They're like, um, honey, you need that thing. It's amazing. It's like God's gift to your face. It probably is. I don't know. All I know is it sounds very woo woo, and right. I just it's been hanging out in my cart, and I just haven't been able to convince myself. Like, can I actually buy? a rolling pin for my face yeah and I just haven't been able to do it because I just can't convince myself that that and I'm pretty sure my husband would also roll his eyes back into his head so far that they would get stuck maybe you put it on your holiday wish maybe yeah yeah maybe (laughs) so what's coming up for for you in the future and where can people find you and get to know you better and connect more with what you have to offer yeah so I would say my website is probably the best way that you can do that and then sign up for my newsletter so you'll always be the first to know like new stuff that's going on totally. like where I'm speaking or any new products but one product I'm excited about that I got to get cracking on I'm calling it a kidpreneur kit and so kind of like everything that we talked about mm-hmm. right the importance of teaching those entrepreneurial um, skill set in your kids whether they go on to be entrepreneurs or not yeah they're just good you know skills to have and so since I have experience going through the process of coming up with an idea how do you make something make it and then sell it with my kids with the book I really want to like turn it into like a super easy and fun way project that you can do with your kids 
Um, and so you can come up with your own little um, entrepreneurial venture um, just to go through the, the process of teaching your kids um, everything that is required to um, come up with a product and sell it and become that sounds little, awesome. little entrepreneurs. So I'm hoping that um, maybe early part of next year I'll actually have something. It's so. like the grown-up lemonade stand. Yes. Like – elevated yeah totally yeah yep, that's exactly right mm-hmm. i love it yep taking lemonade stand to the next level there you go that's but your tagline <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. But, but then something that you can actually engage and do with totally. the kids yeah that's mm-hmm. so exciting mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to hear more about it beth i feel like we have so much we could learn from you so thank you so much for taking thank time out you. of your day it was so fun to My talk pleasure. with us all right awesome oh sorry that's it for today's episode thank you so much for tuning in For more information on what you just heard, check out the show notes and find us on Instagram at Milwaukee MomCast. If you enjoyed this episode and know someone who should tune in, please share it. Grab a screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories and tag us so we can say thanks. Even better, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes, which helps us more than you realize. We'll look forward to you joining us on our next episode of Milwaukee MomCast.